All right, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Frank Laubach, who wrote, was is one of the authors of um, Practicing His Presence. He said this, One can pour something divine into every situation. One can pour something divine into every situation. This morning, we're going to continue our series, Consumed. And our goal, our, our, our quest is to, is to try to live out every day the presence of God. How do we live every single day in the presence of God? How do we become consumed, if you will, with God? In Psalm 46, the words, be still. He says, be still. If we looked it up in a, in a dictionary that you just picked off the shelf here in America, if you looked it up, you'd basically come up with words or definitions like not moving or being quiet. So not moving, being quiet. But from a biblical perspective, from a truly biblical perspective, these two words take on much greater meaning, much more power. The first meaning comes from the verse that we just looked at in Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In this context, God is protecting his people. If we look at the context of Psalm 46, it is God protecting, defending his people. It is a declaration of God's ability God's dynamic ability to overcome the powers that, that confront us in our lives. Every single one of us have difficulties that we face in our lives. Every single one of us. And what this verse is saying, what Psalm 46 is saying is, I can overcome all that confronts you. I have the power to overcome everything that confronts you in your everyday lives. The Hebrew meaning of this word is basically to stop striving, to let go, to surrender. In other words, instead of you doing all the work, instead of you being the one to fix it all, instead of you being the one to take it all on, God is saying, listen, surrender, let it go, stop striving, stop working so hard to do it all yourself and give it to me. Allow me to be the one to defend you. Allow me to help you work through the issues that you're facing. Psalm 46 begins, the entire psalm begins like this. God is our refuge and strength. That's how it starts. God is our refuge and strength. But then it ends, it ends with the Lord Almighty, our God is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And that, that, that starts and begins with, I've got this under control. I have the power to overcome. You need to rest in me. You need to trust in me. You need to be still and know that I am God. It's a verse that is, that is basically, it's telling us to take comfort, to, to let go to rest in God's ability to provide for us strength, help, and safety during the most stressful, challenging times in our lives. That's what he's saying. I will be your strength. I will be your help. 
I will be your safety. I will be everything you need during some of the most challenging, intense struggles that you're going to face in your life. See, another meaning from this idea of being still comes from Mark chapter four in verse thirty nine. And it comes from the story where Jesus is sleeping in the, the back of the boat. There's this terrible storm that's going on, a violent storm, and he's awakened by his disciples. So Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. The storm comes up. It's just a wicked storm. And the disciples start to panic and they wake Jesus up. When he wakes up, okay, he says, he basically wakes up and he says, peace be still, exclamation point. Now, whenever you read the Bible and you see something like that, peace, be still, that's a new King James version, says peace, be still. Whenever you see an exclamation point, whenever I see one, I have to stop and reflect. I want to stop and reflect. Why is the exclamation point there? It's important. Why is it there? And when we ask that question, when we dig below the surface, we get our answer. We need to really focus on what does it mean? What does it truly mean? What does Jesus mean when he says, be still, peace, be still? Now, when the story is told by Matthew and Luke, when they tell the story, it portrays a, 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 a day of, I mean, intensity for Jesus. Jesus is, is, is really working hard this day. He's, what he's doing is basically he's healing the sick and he's casting out demons and he's teaching. And he's just going from just from person to person and ministering and ministering and ministering. And I can, I can be honest with you. You know, Jesus is fully God and fully man, right? Fully man side. That's, that's really, that's very difficult. I know for myself, after second service, I get my, I'm, I am high on my own adrenaline. I really am. If you see me being kind of a little whatever sometimes, uh, maybe I'm a little too talkative or I'm saying so I look kind of giddy. The reason is because I'm high on my own adrenaline sometimes, most of the time on Sunday mornings. I'm preaching two sermons and I get so worked up. I get so worked up. I get high on my own adrenaline. And then during the day, about an hour or so, hour and 15 minutes later, all of a sudden you can feel that draining from your body, literally draining from your body. And I am completely exhausted. Picture Jesus speaking and speaking and speaking and teaching and teaching and then casting out demons and healing the sick and people coming to him. Jesus, you know, heal me, heal me, heal me. He's healing people, blind people. He's doing all of these things. That's what was happening there. That's what Matthew and Luke portray. I don't think um, I'm st- we'd be stretching this to say that after Jesus is doing all of these things, that he would be completely exhausted with all that was going on. All that was going on. So he's exhausted. And so he says, you know, get me a boat. And he wants to get in the boat and he wants to get away from the crowd. Fully God, fully man. The fully man says, side says, time for us to take a break. Time for us to rest. I can't, I, I need to do that. So now stick with me on this story. All of a sudden, a furious storm. He's out in the boat. Okay, he gets in the boat with the disciples. All of a sudden, this furious storm breaks out. And the disciples are are afraid for their lives. They begin to panic. And they start looking for Jesus to help them. And where is Jesus? He's sleeping in the back of the boat. He's exhausted. 
And he's sleeping in the back of the boat. The disciples are just completely freaked out by all this. They're so terrified. They, they be, they be, the, the storm, the storm is, is so incredible that they decide that they're going to, because it was swamping the boat. They think it's going to sink. So they decide they're going to wake Jesus up. Okay? They're going to wake him up. He's in the back of the boat sleeping. You need to wake him up. According to Mark's account of this story, Jesus is not very happy at all by being woken up. He's not very happy. And so he wakes up and he says, peace, be still, bam. And when he says that, the storm, the giant waves just completely stop. They immediately stop. Everything just kind of dies down. The wind stops, the waves stop, everything becomes calm. Peace, be still. And it immediately stops. The literal translation of be still in the Greek is the word hush. Hush. Put in modern lingo, okay, it means, and it means shut up. Shut up, exclamation point. Boom, I wake up. Um, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He wakes up, storms there. He's like, peace be still. Hush, shut up. Now, you can't tell your parents, well, Pastor Jeff said that Jesus said shut up, so I can say shut up when I'm at home, all right? Jesus is God. He never sinned, all right? So he wasn't losing his temper and, you shut up. No, you shut up. That's not what he was doing. He, just with, he was emphatic and he was powerful and he said, stop. He said, hush, be still, shut up. And the wind and the waves completely died down. So that idea of, of, of being still, hush. If you're a parent, I think you can relate a little bit to maybe what Jesus was going through at this time. Okay, he's just done casting out demons and healing people, oh, blindness and I'm lame and all these things. And Jesus is healing people and he's, and he's teaching and he's absolutely exhausted. And then they wake him up in order. Hey, look, it's all oh, windy. It's terrible. What are we going to do? You as a parent can relate probably a little bit to this, even though you're not Jesus and probably don't handle as well as he did. But you're in a car traveling on vacation. Got your kids in the back. Because basically what happened here was that the disciples ended up being like kids. Jesus needed to rest. Jesus needed a break. Jesus wanted to get away. And the disciples, like little children, started bugging him. Jesus, 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 right? Started bugging him. Back of the car. He's touching me. She's touching me. You're touching me. And what you do in the back of the car, if you're a kid, right, is you, you say, I'm not touching him. Your finger's like right here. I'm not even touching him. I'm not touching him. You're on my side. This is your side. This is my side. Stay on your side, right? That's what happens. And the parents are like, hush. Be still. Shut up. <laughs> but does that stop your children? Because dad, well, dad is driving the car and he makes that dad threat. I'm going to pull this car over, right? Now, we know dad's not going to pull the car over because why? Dad needs to get where he's going. Dad, wait, dad is making what? Good time. The most important thing in life when you're on a long trip is to make good time. And then when you have to stop for gas, it's like NASCAR. He pulls it, slides in there. He says, honey, you check the tires. You get the gas. You grab the snacks, right? 
People are dashing. I got to go to the bathroom. They're running to the bathroom. You better hurry up. We're not waiting for you. And mom's checking the thing. And they get all the stuff together. And dad, he's ready. The gas is done. He's paid. He'll, he starts moving the car and rolls the window down the back. And you've got the snacks coming your teeth and a couple of drinks. And you're diving through the window of the car. And you get in there. And you're driving away. And your wife's like, wait, we left John on the toilet. We'll get him. We'll get him on the way back. We'll be back here again at some point. He'll understand we're making good time. We can't wait for him. (laughs) He's touching me. She's touching me. Right? And you're driving. Does that stop? Oh, no, that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop. So dad's driving the car. And what does dad do? What dad used, this is what dad's used to do. Not any of you. He drives with one hand, tries to get in the back seat with the other hand like this, right? And you push your little brother's head into his hand. That's good, Dad. You got it right there. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> I was driving back from Virginia. One a major highway. Come back from Virginia. I can't remember which one it was. 35, one of those things. And we're driving down the road. And Tim and Jen are about six and seven years old or so. He's touching me. Stop touching me. She's touching me. You're on my side. No, you're on my side. I'm like, girls, because, you know, I was calm. I was like, girls, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And Deb, Deb's like, you guys had to stop. No, she grabbed my, that was mine. I was eating. Ew, oh. someone, was, someone told me afterwards, you forgot something. The Smarties. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, you just take Smarties and throw them in the back and they eat Smarties and that stops them. And the husband said, you throw them like 50 miles an hour at the kids like this. That's what he said. You throw, you, you know, dash them with this. So we're driving on the road and they're going at it. And I'm driving, I'm turning around, I'm saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. And I drive from my normal speed limit that I usually do, not breaking the law. Sorry, Lord. And, uh, and I drive into a construction zone. And I'm going 65, 70 in a construction zone where it's about 50 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, here are the lights behind me. This was 20 years ago. I'm still bitter about it. And the lights are behind me. <laughs> and so we, we pull, we go, we, we pull out the side of the road, and the officer tell me a lot, explaining to me why I shouldn't. And I'm like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I know all this, but my, what are you going to say? My kids were acting up. And he drove away. We got back on the road. Do you want to know the definition of silence? It was the rest of that trip home. They didn't make a peep. They didn't make a sound. God is telling us sometimes we need to be silent. We need to be still. See, the challenge we face, all of us, the challenge we all face is that we live in a busy, busy, hectic culture. And it's so difficult to be able to stop and reflect to be able to be still in the presence of God. How, how often, think about this, how often do you stop and reflect during a time of controversy, if you will, or commotion, or when things are, when they seem out of control? How often do you just stop and allow yourself to be quiet and reflect on what God may be saying to you? Think about that. When we face the storms of life, like the disciples, are we like them? I used to be like, when I was younger, like, what's wrong with these guys? What's wrong with those guys? What's wrong with these people in the Old Testament? What's wrong with the people in the New Testament? Don't they realize? Don't they realize? And I started to realize I'm just like them. I'm just like them. But when, when, when we face the storms of life, do we have the faith 
do we have the faith that God is in control? That's difficult, no matter where you live. I, you know, I said during this series that I wanted to have people come up and kind of share how God is impacting their life, how they show, how they experience the presence of God in their lives through all kinds of difficulties. So I asked Daniel to come up. Daniel is the director of back-to-back ministries for Nigeria, known Daniel for a very long time. He's also, he also oversees all the self-sustaining enterprises, businesses that we have going on in Nigeria. So I just wanted to talk to Daniel with you guys for a second. Ask Daniel, Okay, you, I know that you face challenges in Nigeria, okay, where you live, uh, in the ministry, but how does seeking the presence of God help you overcome those challenges? Um, truly speaking, it's, there's no a clear-cut answer to that. Like, in every instant, when things of such importance are on the line that I need to get them done. It's difficult to always have a place to remember that I have to do this in a godly way and I have to wait on God for whatever it is. Because all that happens at that time is you, you are looking at a task. You are looking at a situation and you're seeing that I am in charge and I'm in control. I need to get this done. Or I need to find answers for this. So it's, you basically hardly think that there's another way to get this done except mm-hmm. your own way. So yes. you want to do it. You want to get it done. But once it starts going off <laughs> and you're not able to control it completely, for me as a Christian, this is always where God comes in. I, I quickly remember that now this is beyond me. This is when I, re- I have to remember that God is in control. Oh, yeah. There is a God who's in yes. control of my life. Exactly. Yes. Like the scripture you read in uh, Psalms 46. Yep. And I, I have another one favorite in uh, Exodus 14:14, 14, 14, when God told Moses to, to be still. And then he will fight for him. Yes. I mean, but this is after Moses must have done all that he's supposed to have done. Mm-hmm. And now God is telling you that even though you, it seems impossible, I can do it. And I'm going to do it. So for me... In Nigeria, for instance, I'll give you an example. The, the biggest trouble for me as a director of a ministry and a Christian ministry, and then we have business now starting with SSE and all of that, in a country where corruption is a norm, where corruption is almost accepted by all facets, this is how life is done. This is how things are done. And I answer... To a U.S. home office (laughs) where that is not at all even to mention it. So I'm caught up between a country where you have a task, a ministry task that you need to get done and you have deadlines to meet. Justin has been kind anyways, but (laughs) you still have deadlines to meet. You still have this task to achieve. And in this country where if you do not compromise, get a little bit of that corruption action yes. stuff, you will not get a two minutes thing done even in two weeks. Yep. You will struggle over this thing for a long period of time trying to get it done, which you know very well that you could get this thing done in like three minutes. If you just pay them. If you just pay them some other money that is not 
going to be documented. Someone is going to go put it in his pocket and use it for his good, not for the government, not for whatever it is for. Right. But then you will have to wait or even lose that contract or lose that chance of getting that thing fixed because you do not give. Mm-hmm. Now you, you're caught up between the fact that I'm going to suffer this ministry if I do not get to do this, to, to make this happen. And then you know that God is not happy if you do this at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it's about me and then about God and the ministry. Mm-hmm. I get to this kind of point where things get all chalked up and confused. And Truly, this is when quickly I remember that is about God. Mm-hmm. That I need to be still, I need to be calm. Mm-hmm. I need to remember and encouraging that in our ministry, we do not look at the end result as the paramount. We'll look at the, the striving and the, and the faithfulness, the commitment Amen. to the task. Mm-hmm. So to us, faith, I mean, righteousness is the faithfulness in the task. It's how much you give into the task, how much you do the work. If you've done everything humanly possible, your own end, and then the result had not normally been defined by you. You wait right. for what God brings up as a result, because this is God's work. Right. So, and... Uh, it's our destiny, even if it is business. I've done everything I should do business-wise now. I have to wait for what God is going to play for mm-hmm. me. I, I will wait for my result. And the result will be what God's will for me. I say this in a statement, and it sounds easy. But in the process of making this happen, it's always very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, I, I, have a, I will have a day that's full of failures in what I want to achieve as a, as a director or as, in, as a staff. And then I'll, I'll be coming home, and I'm pulling back home, and I'm, you know, everything makes you mad. You just, you're not happy about anything. You know, coming back home, I remember, God really helped me. A lot of the times I remember turning off my ignition before I got home. I remember I have a family. I'm going to be a father. I have to represent as a husband. Mm-hmm. I have to be there as a big brother. I just have to push everything and calm down and Put everything down and get into that, out of that car and step into the house as a father and as a husband. And remember that whatever I've done out there, I've done what I should have done. And I'm leaving everything up to God. I just, I really sometimes struggle with that. But God always gives the grace. I get to that point where I I get relieved. And I like, like you say, I say, hush, Daniel, come on. (laughs) God is in control. Amen. And then I step into the house and I try to put up a smile. (laughs) Good. I appreciate that, brother. That's great. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and it's, it's great because what, what Daniel's saying is he's bringing Christ into every single area of his life. I mean, when he goes through the struggles, he has to make a decision. Do I, you know, sometimes it took me, I was telling him first service, we were talking first service. I said, when I was in Nigeria, I had the money. I, ha- I knew the place I was going. I knew what I wanted to buy, a corn grinder. It took me six hours to buy the corn grinder. Now, if you want to, you know, uh, well, that was like an exercise in futility, but that's the frustration. But you need to bring God into that situation. And when you go home, you need to bring God into that situation. You need to be in the presence of God at all times. And that's what we're that's what we're really talking about here. Being in the presence of God, regardless of the circumstances you find yourself, always bringing him into it. Remember Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. He has the power to overcome the challenges of life regardless of your circumstances, regardless of my circumstances. He says, I will carry you into my presence. I will carry you into my very presence, even through the storms of life. But you have to trust me. 
Some of you are going through terrible storms right now. And what God is saying, be still and know that I am God. I'll carry you through the storm. You need to trust me. The world pushes us to be busy all the time, but God calls us to be still. As we're being pushed to be busy, God is calling us to be still so that we can receive his peace and his joy and his contentment so that he can lead us where we need to go. But we can't we cannot hear the voice of God if we're constantly being inundated with everything else that's going on in our lives. He wants to guide us into his presence. He wants to continually guide us, but we're too busy sometimes to stop and listen. I, I, this is, I find it spiritually breathtaking, if you will, spiritually fascinating that the world wants to keep us so busy that we don't have time to be still. But listen, and you guys will back me on this. I know anyone who's old enough, you'll, you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. But isn't it during the times that we're still where we're able to reflect and to change. The, the times in my life that I was able to just get away and sit down and just reflect on my own life and reflect on my personality and reflect on the issues that are holding me back and reflect on those things where God can speak into my life and I can reflect, I can have self-reflection and bring about change in my life. But if you're busy, 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 busy all the time, those kinds of things are not going to happen. Our minds are always racing, always racing. We're being pulled in 10, 20 different directions. We can't focus. We have no attention span. And we're being fed by sound bites in our lives. In every area of our lives, a little sound bite here, a little, because we don't have time. Just get to the point. We need to take the time to be still and know that he is God. We're so overwhelmed by our stressful and busy lives. We're up all night, right? Sometimes you're up at night worrying because you didn't get everything done that you needed to get done the day before. And now you're worrying because now you have to think about all the things you still need to do tomorrow and the next day. And can, and can you get them all done? Can it, get, can it all be done? And then we have these thoughts racing through our minds, these thoughts that come in from outside sources that are just negative, 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 negative. We start feeling guilt-ridden, discouraged, and we feel depressed. We feel sometimes, well, I, I couldn't get it done, and I, they're asking me to do this, and you feel stupid, and you feel inadequate, and, and, you, and you feel like a failure because you somehow don't measure up to the expectations of the world around you. And it just becomes overwhelming. You hear these negative messages all the time. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not, you, didn't, you didn't accomplish enough. You're not successful enough. We need to take a page out of Jesus' book here. All right. We need to take a page out of his book and we need to silence those thoughts. We need to tell them to hush, to be still, to hush, to shut up, exclamation point. Because these, these, these thoughts that get into our minds come from the evil one. They don't come from God. And we're not spending enough time with God to allow him to truly speak into our minds and our hearts. And so these negative thoughts are permeating our very lives. And we need to take a page out of Jesus' book and say, peace be still. Shut up. Shut that off. Not allow your mind to continue to lie to you. And be still and know that he is God. Do you remember what Jesus said to the disciples 
right after he calmed the storm. Remember what he said to him? He said, oh, you of, oh, you of little faith. Now, I could just imagine, he didn't, I don't, this is not written, but I can just imagine, did you guys, were you not there when I healed all those sick people? The guy was blind, the guy, were you not there? Were you not there when the demons were, when I cast out all those demons? Did you not listen to what I was saying? Or were you thinking about something else when I was preaching, when I was teaching the people and telling them, were you not there? And then all of a sudden, a storm comes up. And you're panicked to the point of stricken like with panic and you have to wake me up. Oh, you of little faith. See, we need to have faith that God can handle all all the things that crowd our minds and our hearts, that God can handle them. They are crowding you. You know it. But we need to realize that God is saying, be still and know that I am God and that he can handle all those things that crowd our minds, our thoughts, our hearts. We need to learn to be still. We need to be able to reflect. We need to be quiet in his spirit, to quiet our spirit and be quiet in his spirit. See, our story of Jesus and this story of Jesus Jesus was going off, if you think about it, Jesus was actually going off to meditate. Jesus was going off. Here's what he was doing. He's fully God and fully man, okay? Both fully God and fully man were going off to meditate. They were going off to spend some uninterrupted time, uninterrupted time in the presence of God the Father. That's what Jesus was doing. That's what he got in the boat for, because he was going to spend some uninterrupted time with the father. That's what we need to do. We need to fight for that uninterrupted time with the father. You need to take time in the busyness of this culture. You need to take the time in the busyness of this world, because if you don't listen, hear me out. If you don't, you are going to be forever stuck on that hamster wheel, right? You had have a trail when you were younger, right? Got that hamster, just ran around in circles. You thought, where is that hamster? I think he's going. And I think God feels the same way about us sometimes. Where do you think you're going? Stop, be still, quiet your mind, listen to me. See, most of us, most of us in this culture, I, I was talking about the students in the first service and the adults too, but a lot of the adults came and said, you know, we, we, we face the same struggles these, 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 this next generation is facing as well. But we all have a, a really difficult time being still. I mean, honestly, the younger generation, I believe in many ways, in many ways, hear me out, is intimidated by silence. Just think about it, okay? Don't get defensive. I believe that the next generation is really intimidated by silence. Many, many have lost, lost the ability, the joy, just lost the joy of quiet reflection. There's a joy in that. There's a sweetness in the stillness and the quietness. The idea of, of sitting, the idea of sitting quietly okay, without all the stuff around you, it, it, it's nearly impossible for some people. It's become, honestly, it's become nearly impossible. And I think to myself as I was writing this, what an amazing plan of the enemy, okay? Hear me out. What an amazing plan of the enemy, a generation almost incapable of quiet contemplation. Think about that. Where have you made your most important decisions? 
in the busyness and crowded whatever, or everybody talking at you and watching. Te- no. We are losing the ability to just enjoy and reflect in quiet contemplation. Can you imagine a generation almost incapable? And I'm telling you, someone said, enough adults said it to me on the way out that I'm going to say, not just the younger generation, we are becoming almost incapable of quiet contemplation. If you think I'm wrong, if you're younger, even older, if you think I'm wrong, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take two or three hours. I want you to turn your phone off and leave it at home. Leave anything that can be attached to you at home and go off for two or three hours and just spend time with God. Walk around the park, sit on the bench, quiet, just as quiet as you can be for a couple of hours. See how you do. We need to not lose that ability to have that, that quiet contemplation. Now, if you're a bit older, we struggle with silence for a different reason. We struggle with silence because when we're silent, we have to deal with some of the issues that we face in our lives. And we don't want to deal with those issues that we face in our lives. So we just keep ourselves busy. You know, we surf the web. We we read mindless dribble. uh, We watch way, way too much TV sometimes. And and here's the thing. I'm not saying any one of those is wrong. Maybe mindless reading mindless dribble is wrong. But, you know, sometimes you just want to read mindless dribble. It's not bad. It's just something that keeps your mind occupied. But here's the thing. If you're doing that, if you're doing any of those things to avoid dealing with your life, they're going to come. That, that's going to bring about loss in your life. And here's what it's going to do. You're going to have a loss. You're going to have loss in your relationship with God. You're going to have lost opportunities. You're going to have a loss because you're going to have unfulfilled dreams. God wants to use you. He wants to use you down the road. How is he going to use you? You need to be spiritually mature. If you want to be used more by God, then you need to be spiritually mature. God wants you to mature, but you're not taking the time to listen to God and allow him to work in areas of your life that you need to work on, whether it's your personality or it's your past or whatever the case may be. He wants to work on those things. We won't allow him the time to just quietly be still and just know that he is God. Be in his presence and quietly contemplate what he's saying. Allow ourselves to be silent. Allow God to speak to our hearts. Allow him to bring to mind those things that are holding us back. We don't take the time to do that. So how then is God going to use us in a more powerful way in the future? Because right now we're not taking the time to spiritually mature. You cannot become spiritually mature without spending quiet contemplation with God. Cannot happen. You have to allow God to be, you have to be in the presence of God. And sometimes, this whole series is about being in the presence of God at all times. And during that all times, there are some times where God is saying, be still, be still, be quiet, and know that I am God. That's what we need to do. That's what every, I I need to do that desperately. You need to do that desperately. We need to make a commitment, honestly, to God and to ourselves that we are going to take the time for quiet contemplation. As a family, you should actually talk about it when you go home and say, what are you going to do specifically to spend that quiet time? I'm not talking, you don't have to get a quiet time, read your Bible and pray and all that guys. Maybe that's fine. I'm talking just... Being still and allowing God to just to be in God's presence. If you want to read a little bit, that's fine. If you want to pray a little bit, that's fine. But what are you going to do 
to allow yourself to just be in the presence of God where he can speak to you in a way that in, in a way that he can't when the world is constantly bombarding you. See, there are times in life when we need, when we need to be active. Go, go, go. Right. We need to be active. He wants you to be active. But there are also times in life where we need to be still. We need to just be still. And we need to allow God to permeate every one of those times when we're active and when we're still. That's what it means to live, to live a life in the presence of God. When I'm going, when I'm trying to buy a corn grinder or I'm trying to close a deal or I'm trying to do this and things are overwhelming. And I just say, I say to myself, God, how would you have me handle this? What would you have me do here? What would you have me do? And it may not calm down at all, but you're asking the question. You're, you're, you're entering into the presence of God in the middle of chaos. And then there are other times where when that chaos is over, you need to take that time to step back and just reflect on what God wants to say to you. How God wants to move in your heart. Remember what Frank Walbach said. One can pour. One can pour something divine into every situation. One can pour something divine into every situation. I want to add a little bit to that. One can pour God something divine into every single moment. That's what we're talking about here. And that's what Frank Laubach is talking about. One can pour something divine into every single moment of our lives. We can pour him into our lives at every turn. Listen, we need to pour him into our board meeting. We need to pour him into our homework. We need to pour him into our business. We need to pour him into our sport. We need to pour him into every decision that we make. We need to pour him into our relationships. We need to pour him into our hobbies. We need to pour him into our fears. We need to pour him into our insecurities. We need to pour him into our struggles. We need to pour him into our weaknesses. We need to pour him into every area of life, into every single area of our lives. We need to pour him into everything. I want you to bow your heads with me. In order for us to be able to pour God into every area of our lives, there will be times where we need to be still. We need to be silent. We need to be quiet and know that he is God. That he is in complete control. That he can carry us through the most challenging of circumstances. And we need to be still and recognize that. And rest in that. Let's be still.
There's something miraculous. There's something, as someone said after first service, there's something sweet about the stillness of God, about the quietness of our own minds. There's something sweet, and it's the presence of God. God, we long for your presence. We may have a long way to go, but Lord, we want to get there. We want you to be present in every area of our lives. And sometimes that takes sweet, calm contemplation, stillness, to allow your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and our lives. We ask, dear God, when we leave this place, that we would not leave and forget, but that we would read your word, that we would read the other books that you've called us to read during this series. Lord God, that we would take the time to quietly reflect on who you are and that we would make specific plans, consciously think through every morning before we start our day, consciously think through how we're going to make you a part of every moment. We want to be in your presence, Lord God. We ask for your help and your strength. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.